Storygram Network. Hosting for this podcast is generously provided by Transistor at Transistor.fm. Hi, my name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food, and it's not about weight. What is it about? Everything else. Because it's never ever about food. Or weight. Never ever. Not even. One time. Not ever. Ever ever. Hello everyone, this is Laura Lee Rourke from It's Not About Food podcast. So grateful you could join us today. We're going to be talking about spirituality, but I promise it'll be really great. So the front of the card is the goddess is standing on earth and the deer is next to her and it's a beautiful sun that she's holding in her hands exactly. It's like the light, the light of spirituality. And there's nature around and there's all these rays and it's, it's just a gorgeous card. You know, we've had several artists, but the person who was the last one and did the colors on this is just gorgeous how she did it. But anyway, so spirituality at the heart of every person is a yearning from the deepest part of our souls that must be heard. It is a desire to awaken, embrace our whole selves and see the past It is a desire to awaken, embrace our whole selves, and see past the limitations we have put on ourselves. It is the knowing that we are connected with a universal love and a spiritual presence that holds the flame of our true essence of love and light. When we begin to accept that each one of us was born with divine spirit, then we can stop struggling with defining ourselves as good or bad as our body size or the food we eat. We can then move on to simply expressing our true selves. So I think about this card when I'm really struggling with what does it mean to be 70 years old? What does it mean to be an American? I was just in Europe. What does it mean to be white in a culture that I've got so much privilege? What does it mean to be have two dogs and a cat? And what does it mean to live in Sonoma, California? And to me, I really love this little card that says at the heart of every person is a yearning from the deepest part of our souls. I mean, it's so true. I was not willing to live one more second having to worry about my weight and my food at some point in my recovery. And I was really grateful to find recovery when I did. And it felt like that. It felt like my heart was going to burst out of my chest if I didn't do something different. And I had tried to do something different a lot of the time, but I had to go so much deeper than that and so much more into a universal love or so much more into a spiritual presence than I wanted to do, really. I didn't think that was going to be what I wanted to do, but I did do it. And so a lot of the times when I work with clients, I try to get them into that part of themselves that is beyond hunger, (laughs) beyond food, beyond things, beyond even the world that we live in. And 
I don't care who you are and how horrible your childhood is, we all know what the divine is inside of us. We know what the divine mother is. We know what the universal love is. Even if we haven't been shown it very often, we do have it in there. We do know it. And I think that's our spirit. I think that's our soul coming out. And we're so much more than a size, I don't know, whatever it is, you know, like I said to somebody else, what even is a size double zero? What is that? I mean, when did we become zero people that we don't even get our own size? You know, we get a number that's a less than a number, less, less than a number. Anyway, so I'm so grateful to have my next guest on. And I'm going to let her introduce herself and tell us who she is and what she's doing. And then we'll have a talk about spirituality. That's so beautiful. Thanks so much, Laura Lee, for sharing that. My name is Corinne. I am a registered dietitian, nutrition therapist, and certified intuitive eating counselor in Marin County, California. My office is in Mill Valley for those who are familiar with the San Francisco Bay Area. I work with individuals who are in recovery from eating disorders, disordered eating, diet culture, and those really looking to have a non-weight focused approach to food and body that is essentially bringing them more connected with themselves and who they are and how they ultimately want to be living their life. And I also do a lot of work around the recovery process with families and caregivers to support their loved ones as they heal and as they recover. So important. And what brought you to this work? Gosh, to make a long story relatively shorter, I became a dietitian, I guess I'd say 10 and a half years ago. When I originally started practicing, I opened a private practice. I always wanted to do counseling and help people. And that was very clear to me in terms of doing this work. And so I went right into counseling out of uh, graduate school, out of my dietetic internship and had a small practice within a health center that became a larger practice. And I really had had essentially, besides my internship, like no real life, real world experience besides two years is what you do in a dietetic internship. Some of them with counseling and whatnot, but it's very different than when you're on your own and working and really in that space. And so after a couple of years, I really began to see that the weight centric health focus. And when I say health focus, the health being focused on an individual's weight was really harmful to individuals. And I had a stint with disordered eating and I'd say compulsive exercise in my late teens. And so when I began practicing and just seeing actually unhealthy and unhelpful, everything that I had gone to school for, and that I was working with people around like what that was doing, I ended up quitting my practice that was within the health center and I needed to have a job. <laughs> so I went into nutrition communications for several years. And during that time is when I really spent learning about how to practice through a different way, how to practice through a health at every size model, intuitive eating, eating disorder recovery work. I originally began seeing individuals who wanted to stop dieting. And then I began seeing individuals with binge eating disorder. And then I began seeing individuals 
with body image concerns and then anorexia and then bulimia. And then ultimately, I think that all of those eating disorder symptoms and disordered eating symptoms kind of combine and challenging to put a label on them. But over the years, specifically, I'd say the last five to six years, I've really devoted my learnings and education to eating disorder recovery, body image healing work, health at every size type of work, all of that really beautiful stuff that actually feels very healing and very helpful and um, circles me back to why I originally wanted to get into this field of health and nutrition. So I love that you at some point, it sounds like pretty early on realized that what you were doing was actually harmful. (laughs) You know, what you had been taught to do was actually harmful. And I can remember that so much when I was getting my master's of uh, a class I took. And I remember leaving that class going, that would have never worked for me to say, have a therapist tell me what I just learned in that whole semester. I would have just slipped my wrist if that's how my therapist had talked to me or told me or whatever. And so much of what I learned was so arcane and so insane, really, with what we know now. Oh, my God. (laughs) It was so awful. And I have to say that Carol and I started Beyond Hunger in 1988. And before that, I was just struggling with my own eating disorder so much. And I had a friend who was a nutritionist, and I was complaining to her that this whole nutrition thing was not working for me, and I didn't understand why. But she would give me a week's worth of ideas for food, and I would eat all of those meals in one day. And she says, you sound like a lot of my other clients. And I said, who are they? We have to get them together and have a group. And I read Fat is a Feminist Issue and Janine Ross books and Carol Munter's book and Jane Hersham, Overcoming Overeating. And I said, there is a way to do this, but I don't know how to do it without a whole bunch of people around me. I can't do it by myself, apparently. And so that was really the first group that I put together with nutritionists. And then this wasn't really her path. And so she left and I was introduced to Carol. And that's when we started Beyond Hunger. But really, I started this for my own recovery of how do I do this? How do I eat intuitively in a diet culture that I lived in and that we all live in America. And this whole thing about, at that time, it was you were fit or fat. And fat was not okay, but carbs were. What a different world that is (laughs) than where we are right now. You know, so it would just take out large parts of your food intake out and only eat these things and everything else was the devil's work. And we went through that over and over again through these years. And I'm just wondering, how are you working with people being able to just, like you give them the freedom of intuitive eating and what do they do? It's so terrifying when you're out there, you know, in the world that we live in. Yeah, and I think that's a beautiful question and just validation for so many who are really struggling with the like fat phobic and culture messages that we are inundated with in a variety of different ways. 
literally hundreds of times a day, you know, and, and I think it really depends where an individual is along this journey. So I will often share with clients who are early in recovery, really beginning eating again and getting their body on a schedule kind of depends because the whole premise of intuitive eating is learning to being able to listen to your body cues. Can you hear your hunger in fullness and identify that, but not even hunger and fullness because we also have feelings and emotions that have feelings within the body. It's the entire concepts of interceptive awareness, as you know. So can you learn to listen to the information that your body is sharing with you and then respond to those cues in a caring, timely manner while removing the psychological roadblocks that are like presenting for you? And so it's so interesting because one of the things that I will share with folks is that if we have no connection, which so many of us do, if we have no connection to our body cues, then it's challenging to follow those. So it wouldn't be appropriate. You know, what if you weren't then hungry for five, six hours? That's not appropriate then not to eat. So part of the experience is being able to, I think, marry some of that really scientific work around feeding ourselves consistently and frequently throughout the day, and then learning to build up those skills to what do you really want to be eating? What feels satisfying to you? How can you respond to those cues in a really caring, timely way and pay attention to what are some of the blocks that come up for you? One of the things that I often say to folks is that having to pee is a body cue, right? Nobody is spending hours that I know or hours or minutes like kind of internally debating with themselves like, you know, should I pee or should I not pee? But however, like when we have that hunger cue, the weirdest thing in our culture today is that we will sit there and individuals will have that debate with ourselves. Should I eat or should I not eat? And it's the most primal function. So a lot of the work is how do we marry back the mind and the body? And if those body cues aren't there, those appetite cues, your internal rhythms aren't yet there yet. Part of the work that is building that back in a really caring, compassionate way with an individual. Storygram Network. Welcome to One Media, One Media. I'm... When you're whining with nurses. It's a place I like to call The Bleed. My name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. The art of being yay isn't just something he developed. Storygram Network. It's so true. And, you know, that I used to use that pee analogy so much until I realized in my 70s that I have a very weak muscle because I did not pee when I was supposed to when I got that signal. All those years of being a therapist and a waitress and a hairdresser that I just, just let me get 10 more minutes in here before I go pee. So I've had to like do all these different exercises about that, which I'm glad that there is something like that. But yeah, we, especially as women, I think that we turn off anything underneath our chin and just, I don't want to talk about that right now. I don't want to look at that. I don't want to feel it. 
And it is a really wonderful thing when we go, oh, I have to pee and I have to go to sleep and I need to drink some water and I need to eat and go for a little walk, you know, and when we really get those cues and we really sort of obey the body, if you will, like, okay, I'll take your, you know, what you're saying to me to heart and I'll try to do that to my body. Yeah. But Laura Lee, you bring up the amazing thing I think that we were getting at earlier is what does the work look like then? And that's, it's so individual and contextual, but, and nuanced, but what does the work look like then for an individual when those body cues aren't super present? Like when you aren't maybe hearing that you have to pee or when that connection is off. And then, you know, I think it becomes a really a partnership with you and your client and or your you and yourself rather and there's just so much more to do around that that to talk about there that I will hold but it's important and then how do you bring the spirituality part into this with your clients I want to share with you that I was going to discuss a different card and I forget I think the card I was originally going to express because it may help bring some context into this interview and if you hear my nine-month-old in the background, that, that's my child, but <laughs> just bringing in some real-life pieces to this. But I originally was going to do the Trust the Process card, and I will share with you that your body love cards in, in Carol's, who I just adore as a practitioner and human, I, for some individuals, the cards just speak so beautifully to them. Yeah. And I will have clients pull one at the end of session. Wow. I have another deck as well, but... I had a client pull this card last week and I did not know that this card was present and she read it and it just spoke to absolutely where she was in the process. And I thought to myself, this is such a beautiful card. I would love to talk about this with you instead. And she had the same reaction. Yes, I love that. I love it. And what about it for you? What about it went to your self? about this? I think that this is the heart of who we are as people and of any of that inner work that we ultimately decide to do, whether you're going to decide to go on your recovery process or, you know, I I relate this back to the beginning of my story, really check in with who you are as a human being. And could I do this work that I went to school for and thought it was supposed to look for a certain way? And I'll speak to over a decade ago, when I was going through some of my own food and body issues, I read the book, The Four Agreements. Oh, yes. Yeah, which has nothing to do with food or body. But it has to do with being connected with yourself. And in my experience, and in working with clients, it's when we don't feel connected with ourselves, when we don't feel that mind, body, soul, you know, bigger than a body, it's the soul piece of it. It just speaks so profoundly, that connection with who are we as people and also understanding the common humanity piece of of our souls within the greater context. It is really incredibly healing, I think, to be able to understand that this work It's not about really the food. It is, and it's not about the body. It's just something so much deeper. And when I hear the very first sentence at the heart of every person is a yearning from the deepest part of our souls that must be heard, so much of the work, even within the nutrition counseling, nutrition therapy realm, is even just providing the space for individuals to be seen, to be heard, and to offer some connection. 
maybe outside of themselves before they can go within themselves. It's so true. I love what you just said. It's so true. And for those of us who've had to recover from eating disorders, to bring that piece in at some point was just imperative. And in a way that I could hear it because as a somebody who went to, you know, a school that pounded religion into my head, I was like, I don't even want to say that word, spirituality. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to know it. I was able to come out of the closet as a spiritual person without, and was able to let go of my childhood training. So in order to do that. And I don't think everybody has to do that, but I certainly did. And then that helped me hear that part of myself that was yearning to be free, which I didn't really realize that my eating disorder was a jail that I had put myself in. I didn't think of it like that. I thought I needed to do it better, more perfect, my eating disorder. I didn't know I had to let it go. I don't know that I would have started the process if I thought I had to let it go. But anyway, the point is that it's really great that you're bringing that into your practice too. And I think we have to do it more and talk about this, which is kind of taboo to talk about spirituality. And one of the things I think that comes up that happens all the time in sessions with clients, in my experience, is that they're talking about very spiritual things with who they are and their values. But And this works for people there's not maybe the connection that that actually is spirituality. That's right. That that's their soul work that they're talking about. And also, you know, I, I'm a big fan of group supervision and supervision or consultation as a practitioner. I think it's so useful. But one of the things that has always stood out to me through my mentors is that as a practitioner and just as a human being, your job is not to fix anyone you can't it's not to make them recover it's not to be able to push them into doing a certain thing it's really just to partner with and to be with and to support and you can of course provide your recommendations but having that i think be the framework and for me there's this really deep understanding like for clients and also just for people in general or to really do the work. You don't have to be biting at the bit to do the work, but even if there's a little inkling, like a little part of you, like still interested in wanting to show up is that this soul piece of it, the spirituality piece of it, the whole person, the whole energy, the whole whatever framework we want to use, that is so necessary as part of this healing work, whenever it is that an individual decides if and when to do it. But it really is meaningful. And it's, I think, one of the true pieces that is needed for that. You know, I know that this word feels different for different people, but for that long lasting recovery. Yes, exactly. What you're saying is so profound, too, that we don't hear very much in the culture that we're living in. And I go into schools with young women who I've trained to go into schools, and we talk about disordered eating, we talk about intuitive eating, we talk about how to have your feelings and what they are and how to love the body that you have, that you're not going to get another one, which is news to me, you know. It was news to me. I thought I was going to get another body somehow, and it was not going to be the one I had that I didn't like. And then when we bring in the spirituality piece, you can see if the teachers don't know us, then look at us like, oh, <laughs> don't go there. I can imagine. 
But, you know, how we go there is exactly what you were saying. And so people calm down. And the students friggin' get it immediately. Yes, that's so true. I really appreciate you saying that because they're so much closer to body, mind, and spirit than the adults are. They haven't seen what we've seen or hear what we hear. And I would think your little baby of nine months old is really the embodiment of that body, mind, and soul. Always seeing that little tiny being be there like that. If you ever just wonder like, what, did I lose my path? Just go like hang out with him for a while. (laughs) I know, I know. I have a three-year-old as well. And you begin to watch how they just inhibit their bodies and food choices and just the free spirit and just how they're different. And I think that 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 really intangible piece of who we are as beings, like the energy, the values, our predisposition and tendencies, it's just, I think it's so miraculous. And it's so unique to see how we're all different, yet we're all the same in certain ways. And that everybody has a yearning, I think, which it goes back to this card with the spirituality piece is that we all have a yearning and a desire to feel connected with ourselves and creating the space for one another and for ourselves to do that. Like for me, that is just going out in nature and listening to the birds or hiking and hearing my breath as I go along the steps. But when it does, it's like, oh, you're so grounded. You're so present. You're connected with other pieces. And that could look like crochet for you. It could look like a really connected soul conversation, a good cry. I don't know, but it just is like very important to learn how to be with ourselves. Yeah. Sunset or a sunrise or just watching the birds go by. Very sweet what you just said. So you have a little soapbox here. What would you like to manifest or what would you like to put out in the world that you want people to know about you and your practice and what you're doing? What would I like people to know? I think that whatever struggle it is that you are going through in the recovery process, just in life, just with the messages that you're receiving all the time, I just think It's so important to know that you are as cliche as this may sound, but that you're not alone and that there are so many individuals, even if you are not talking about it with them, that have these food and body struggles as well, body concerns, and that the part of you that you're wanting, that is so wanting to feel connected, that it may feel really challenging in the beginning because you're being with yourself. And I think for so many of us today, that stillness piece and just the listening piece and not being distracted piece is hard. It's so hard, especially just going through the pandemic, you know, of just, oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. just sit inside your house for <laughs> several months and be quiet <laughs> and don't go outside and don't touch anything and don't breathe on anyone. <laughs> Oh my God, yeah. And don't gain weight. (gasps) Although they wanted us to bake all this bread, but you're not supposed to eat bread. It's really, it's it's really ridiculous when you take a step back and you're just like, what are we living in? You know, <laughs> yes. it just anything that is just not 
helpful to your path and where you are. Tune it out. I know that's so challenging and I don't mean to say it and be flippant about it, but that is just not useful for you than on your path. No, it's not useful at all. Yeah. So I just think that in whatever way that you want to feel connected with yourself and truly connected with yourself. I just want people to know that if you try to do that, there's emotions coming up or if it feels challenging, that's normal. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) And that that don't let that push you away from listening to what it is that you are truly wanting in your life and for yourself. Because sometimes you have to go through a little bit of those puddles before you get to the the end of the rainbow and then you have to have more puddles that you go through and that's just part of the process but that's okay that's so true and i love it when you know we say as therapists we say somebody comes in oh my gosh you know i lost my job and i'm not getting along with my partner and my children are not speaking to me and you go yes yay we got something to work with (laughs) let's go which, you know, they don't normally like to hear that. But it is so true. That's when we do some change is when we're pushed against a wall, unfortunately. And then we get to a place where we don't have to be pushed against the wall. We can hear our spirit. We can hear our emotional self. We can hear our body that says, yeah, don't go down this path. And we can do that way before we do get pushed against the wall. So I really appreciate you saying what you were saying. And I'm wondering if you will read the last part of this card. Today, I will practice reminding myself that my spiritual self is who I really am. When I find myself obsessing about my food or weight, I will take a deep breath, be still, and listen to my deepest yearnings and guidance. Mm, Thank you very much. And I'm so grateful that you were on today and that you're out in the world doing this work. And we got to talk about spirituality. What a great thing. So thank you very much. Thank you for listening. And be sure and follow me on Patreon, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and it's not about food.com. Thanks.